Hmm? What's that? Sure. Ow. Praying the mic. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> thank you for everything that you continue to do throughout the Bridge House, throughout our personal lives, throughout our lives professionally. And Lord, I just pray that you would um, continue to just give us innovation, give us uh, wisdom and discernment on how to reach people, um, how to inspire the church to uh, to do more, to, to truly be what you've called us to be. Lord, I pray that through this podcast that we would see the fruit of it, um, that it wouldn't just be something fun that we're trying to do, but it really would bring uh, fruit and bring uh, hope to people, encourage people, empower people. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Cool. Do we do, do we have music or something? Oh. Hey. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> This is intense, bro. <laughs> well, hey, that's like, oh, you so know, funny. the very first ever intro music to our new podcast. We have conversations that um, challenge us to live a life that will change a life. And we started out by just saying like, man, what's your high and what's your low? And the Buffalo is kind of just surprising things in life that we talk about. It's like, and I was not expecting this, but this is happening. And so... I'm John, your host, first time host ever of a podcast in my life. So here we go. I have no idea how this is going to turn out. Yeah. And if you're wondering, first off, who is also talking with us, we have Jen Gallagher. Yes. Jen Gallagher. Stop, dude. So Jenny here. Jenny works at the Bridge House. Indeed. Yeah. How long have you been at the Bridge House for? I have been at the Bridge House since... Um, September, so right before we open the doors in October. Yeah. Tell us about the Bridge House, Jen. Um, So I love the Bridge House, first of all. It's very near and dear to my heart. It is a temporary transitional housing for kiddos who are in DCS custody waiting for placement. So before, I'm sure you've heard, like, on the news, the kiddos were having to sleep in the office, so we provide... um, a home for them to sleep, um, more comfortable environment. And we just, I get to love on kids. So love on kids all day, every day. Yes. I love it. Yes. I love it. A job that doesn't feel like a job. Yes. I know. That's important to have a job that doesn't it feel is. like a job, it you is. know, cause then you never have to. Okay. Messiah <laughs> <laughs> in the background. Once again, stop with this dude. Oh my gosh. Oh my word. Anyways, job that you don't have to retire from, right? Yes. Because you do yes. what you love to do. This is it. It's so this good. Is ministry, right? Yeah. So I think we should go into high level buffaloes. That's perfect. That's that's definitely my high. Working at the Bridge House, just it's a job. It's a passion. It's a calling. Like the mm-hmm. Lord specifically led me here, and it is a high for me for sure. Um. Low would be... Well, let me press pause real quick yes. on the high. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. 
So Lord led you to the bridge house. Yes. And like you talked about how like the bridge house, you know, temporary care for children and youth are in DCS custody. But like from your story is bigger than just like you saw a job on Indeed and you just decided yes. like, man, this looks good. I want to just apply for yes. this and this could be cool. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about like how the Lord brought you to that and like why it's so fulfilling to be and work there. Yeah. So for sure. Um, my family, we are therapeutic, um, foster home. We, I'm a nurse by trade. So we actually foster a lot of medically fragile special needs kids. Mm. Um, and in saying that my low in that season, my low, we had a long-term placement that transitioned out to his forever family. Um, so that was probably my low now just adjusting to that and just going through that grieving process. Um, we had always said like when he came to us that we were the bridge to his forever family. Mm. So when it got close to him leaving in September, I started looking like I can't sit here mm. at home and grieve by myself all day. So I knew I needed to to do something and get out of the house. So started looking for nonprofits that were specific to the foster care world came across, um, this job opening at the bridge, ironically enough. Um, so yeah, that, that led me here. And then just saying that we were the bridge and then going to work at the bridge. So I knew it was just, it was meant to be like the Lord specifically, um, put me here just to love on kiddos and, um, allowed me to be, you know, grieve. And then that job still be here after that season was over. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. Tell me, like, so did you, did foster care come up in your life because it was something that, like, your family did, um, and then you kind of grew up in that, and you just saw, like, so how did, like, how did you get to that point, like, with you, because you, t- tell us, I love your husband's name, dude, this is so yes. funny. So my husband's name is Scotty, but he actually goes by Tudor, that's yes. his, that's his nickname. Tudor, <laughs> and it's so funny, because we were talking about this before the podcast started, is I was actually on the phone uh, with a gentleman yesterday and, um, he called me and he said, man, I, your name came up and he said, I can't remember the guy's um, name who I talked to. And I was like, Oh, I wonder if it was, uh, was it, uh, Jen's husband, Scotty. And, uh, he goes, you mean Tudor? <laughs> and I thought he said scooter. And I'm like, uh, maybe I I've never heard him called that. <laughs> and you know, I honestly left the conversation feeling like, that it wasn't resolved. I really didn't know if we were on the same page, yeah. if we were talking to or not. And then I came in today when I, we were sitting down for this podcast with Jen and I said, Hey, is your husband's name? Does he go by scooter? And she said, no, he goes by tutor. <laughs> <laughs> tell us really quick. Like what, like where is he going to kill you right now for telling no, Okay. No. So you're good. You're not going to get trouble later. That's fine. So when he was a baby, the nurses brought him to his mom and handed him off and said, you have a little tutor on your hands. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so it stuck. He's tutor. And then to, this never, day. Oh to this day, he's been tutor. Yeah. I'll never forget when I was in nursing school, I was sitting in class and in middle of lecture and I was talking to the girl next to me and I said something about tutor and our nursing instructor stopped oh like gosh. mid lecture no. and was like, you're marrying somebody that's named tutor. <laughs> Man, we're going to be praying for you. 
Oh my word, that's hilarious! But you were saying earlier that when he first introduced himself to you, he actually introduced himself as Tudor. Yes. Like so, he wasn't Red even ashamed of it. He was like, "Hey, my <laughs> name's Tudor." My name's Tudor. Dude, that's like, pure no confidence shame. No right shame. there. Yeah, he's comfortable in his own skin, that's man. Right. He's like, "Hey, you, you, this is what right. you get." <laughs> and it's kind of funny because if you if you've ever seen Scotty, you know, uh, we'll have to throw a picture up. Of yes. Scotty here on this, as y'all can see, who's watching on YouTube, but like big burly dude, yes. like beard, big beard, big, yes, strong, you know, you'd be like, never would I have thought this guy would be yes. called Tudor. And his dad's name is Tink, Tink and Tudor, Tink and Tudor. That's a podcast in itself. So right. welcome to Tink and Tudor. That episode 52. That would be fun. Oh, my god, They're way more fun than me. I, they sound <laughs> like it. Like, I want to go to your house for Thanksgiving with Tink and Tudor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have Mexican food at Thanksgiving, too. Do you really? Yes. They're from Gosh, Texas. I love people that do that. They're from Texas, so they do, like, Tex-Mex food. I'm so jealous when I meet people that do that because, like, when I think of holidays, I always think of, man, I want to eat my favorite mm-hmm. food. And then we always eat food I don't like. Yes. You know, yes. because of tradition, because it's like, you know, well, we have to have a turkey. That's what you do on Thanksgiving. I'm like, I don't even really like turkey that much. Like, no, we never eat turkey <laughs> unless it's on some janky bread and a sleepy. mayonnaise and a sandwich yeah. for school on Monday. It's really nice if you go to different people's house. Like we go to my mom's and grandparents. And then yeah. by the time you get to their house, it's like, oh, I'm ready for something besides oh, turkey. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's it. I'm changing the game this year. That's it. Anyone gets like pizza ideas for? I'm gonna be like, nope, that's not what we're doing. We're having sushi <laughs> on Thanksgiving. Sushi, it's happening. You don't like sushi? No, that's gross. Oh man, I love it. I made my son try wasabi for the first time the other day. My wife was like, "Don't do it." I was like, "Put it in your mouth." Do it. Snort it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yay! So okay, so Scotty, aka Tutor, you know. You guys, tell me about like how you began your foster care journey. Um, like, what got you to that point? So, growing up, my aunt and uncle were foster parents, so I was raised around um, just kids in care. My cousin is adoptive, so that okay. was probably my first um, exposure. Um, but we went to our church that we went to at the time did what's called an orphan Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and they spoke about the orphan in foster care. And so at that um, sermon, like I knew mm. in my heart, like, oh gosh, like my flesh is like, yeah. mm, this is a bad idea. But I knew in my heart, like, this is something that I'm I'm supposed to do. And at first, Scotty was not on board. He's like, I can't, you know, I can't do that. But yeah. I can remember, I mean, this was a years, but I remember just praying, like I knew that God would not call division. So I'm like, if I'm supposed to do this, like you mm-hmm. have to change his heart. And then. So you I'll did know. that through prayer. So it yes, wasn't like you trying to persuade Scotty. No, no I, I never, like, cause I was like, I know if I persuade him to do something mm-hmm. that he doesn't feel called to do right now, it would just cause division in our marriage. And yeah. I don't, you know, that's not, that's not biblical. So yeah, I just prayed like, and I mean, this was years before it ever happened. And I just prayed that God would just, soften his heart and yeah. and 
he would call us both if we were supposed to do that. And and dude, let me just press pause on that really quick because I feel like that's such a great thing to take away no matter what you're doing in marriage is like mm-hmm. that like that piece of where you feel like God is calling you to something and there can be that need to feel like you need to persuade mm-hmm. the other individual to then join you yes. in that journey. Um, and some of us have that gift of communication and persuasion and being able to use words in a way that would cause someone to, especially that love us, to want to see us accomplish the thing that God has for us. But if they don't own it personally, like when those trials, those hardships, and those tribulations come with what God's called you to do, which they will mm-hmm. come. Yes. They will be there. <laughs> that is the inevitable, uh, you know, and so when they do, if your spouse is not all in and they heard from God, like, hey, like I heard from him too. You heard from him, like, this is it. And the other thing with that too, Jen, as I've seen in my own life with my wife, is that um, it doesn't allow us to turn on each other mm-hmm. because I think that there can be that scapegoat there that when things do get hard yes. and then they can end up pointing a finger later and saying, you know, well, this was your idea mm-hmm. or I didn't really want to do this, but I did it because I love you. Yes. It just removes all of that so that that couple from at that point could be like, hey, we made the decision together. Mm-hmm. Like this is ride or die. Like, yes. We're in it. You know, so I love that. I had to just hit that up because I thought that was a really good, really we, good wisdom there. We have a hard rule at our house, too. When we, hard get, a, rules. When we get a call for a kiddo. We, which you get a snippet of information, but Mm -hmm. we sit down as a family and say, this is the kiddo. Let's pray about it. And Mm. so you bring your kids into that conversation, my my kids. And if one person says no, we don't, we don't take the placement. So So you give your kids ownership at the table. Yes. Like we're all called to this. Like you, I even asked them. And what are the, what are the ages of your kids? um, My oldest is 16. Um, nine and seven. Wow. So you're all sitting at the table. Yes. This is what we have. Yes. No. Um, have you gotten a no before from a kid from one of your kiddos? Um, yes. Okay. And so and you just, then that's no trying to convince them like, nope. guys, we like, need to be the hands and feet of Jesus and you're being selfish. Yes. You're just no. like, okay. Okay. Like that if was, they have, if they have valid reasons why they're mm, concerned, I'm like, that okay. challenges me right now. That's good. I needed to hear that. My yes. soul needed that. I don't know. I but got, I think it's it that like you can, um, you know, if you things get hard and they will get hard. Um, mm-hmm. Anything I think that God is God ordained is not yes. easy. Anything worth doing is not easy. So, right. um, but it just keeps you from, you know, turning on each other. Well, I said no and right. you wanted to do this, not me. So, yeah, I think if everybody takes a vote and. Right. You're all in it and you're all called to that, then game go changer. Right? Yeah, so. for sure. All right. So, your aunt, then you guys are at a church mm-hmm. hearing a church. message that prompted you. Yes. You're at that point feeling like, man, I'm all in on this. Tutor. <laughs> Tutor, not so much. Tutor and Tink. You know, I had a little meeting. Yes. Uh, no. So Scotty, he's feeling like, man, I need more clarity on this. Mm-hmm. I need to hear from God. And so you guys kind of took some time to do that. How long did that take? Um, I would say probably a couple years. So, oh, wow. Yes. So I think. I was thinking like a couple weeks went no, by. Dude, that'll so, preach a couple yes. years. So if you're definitely, if you're in that season and you feel like God's called you to that and your spouse 
is not on the same page, yes. like pray and just. So you prayed for a couple of years on yes, this. This wasn't yes. like, hey, oh, wow. Now, and, were you bringing it up here and there, like kind of um, like throwing like little hints out? Like, yeah, hey. yeah, every now and then, definitely. So like I got, Christmas time, you give them a yeah. gift. There's like little booties in yes, there, like little, like little 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 feet, you know, little <laughs> shoes. Exactly. Like, Who are these for, honey? Dropping subtle hints. Yeah, yeah. That's bad funny. So we actually got involved at a ministry, um, just picked up kids from low um, income housing mm-hmm. and brought them to church. And so I kind of suckered him into to that to that ministry. Yeah. And we fell in love with this girl there who was 15 and also had a baby at the time. But we just really wrapped around her and mentored her mm-hmm. and tried to help her get on her feet get a job, helped watch her kids. Yeah. And I think there's a book too that says to be in love with the orphan, you have to follow you have to be exposed to the orphan. Mm. So I think that exposure and just being around it and actually seeing the need. Say that again. Yes. Say that to, quote again. So I'll have to I'll have to figure remember which which book it was, but it says to to fall in love with the orphan, you have to be exposed to the orphan. Wow. So, so just that. let that marinate for a yeah. second, dude, because so just to un, like unpack that for me right there. Like, what does that mean? I think it's easy when it's not in your face to just overlook, you know, you mm-hmm. don't really, I mean, you hear about abuse on TV, you hear about neglect, like mm-hmm. you're just kind of numb to it. But when you look these kiddos in the face that are bruised and neglected and hurt, like it's. You're hard not you're exposed it's hard yeah. not to fall in love and for your heart to soften to these kiddos and just want to want to help and then he actually had a friend that my husband that mentored him and he asked him you know how do you know they were foster parents too and he's like how do you know if you've been called mm. um to care and he said do you do you believe like the Bible, do you believe the word of God? And tutor's like, yeah. And he's like, then you've been called. Dang. So, so so that brings us to that million dollar question that (laughs) everybody wants to know that I ask all the time and even had to wrestle through myself is foster care calling or is it a command? Yes. And I think what you just said is it's really not a calling, but it really is more on how you look at scripture. Mm-hmm. And if you believe that the word of God is true and then you're exposed to something that the word of God would call you to do or mm-hmm. have has already spoken you to do, like you don't need, there's your answer. Yes. That's I, deep though. People don't want to hear that. No. And I think, and I think too, like, and I know, like, I felt a calling. Like, I knew, sure. and every part of my flesh was like, mm. oh, I do not want to sign up for that. It's hard. It's messy. Like, Yeah, you felt the calling, but Scotty didn't. And he did not, no. Right. Um, so, for him, it was like, he just had, like, a pastor straight up, like, preach. Like, hey. Yes. Which, I mean, we all need that. So, yes. it's not like, you know, God knows how many times I've needed that in my life. and still do if anyone want to be my pastor. <laughs> <laughs> pastor Messiah will take you. And I do think it's a little bit of both. Like, I think you have a calling to open your home, but we're all called in some way, shape, or form. We are all called mm-hmm. to care. Like, 
scripture is very specific on loving on the orphan and the yeah. widowed. Yes. And so that may look different. Maybe you're not financially able to open your home. Maybe your health doesn't allow you mm-hmm. to open your home. But just like at the Bridge House, we have a meal train. You can provide a hot meal to these kids. You can right. drop off clothes. You can yes. love on a family who's right open their home. You can pray for them. Right. You can offer, you know, yeah. to fold socks or right. fold clothes or wash dishes. Yeah. And, yeah. and every bit helps. Like we... Um, have a have a new placement in our home and our church family text me don't ask like if you're <laughs> yeah here's the key to don't ask um because I'm always like no that's okay that's okay but yeah, I had yeah. someone from our church say hey I'm going to bring you dinner tonight or tomorrow mm-hmm. which one like pick one I'm I'm bringing it yeah. so they show up with food at our house um pray over us and these kiddos and love us well and it it's such a huge support. Like you don't realize it just helps you to keep going. And you know, yeah. you have people in your corner praying for you for strength right? on the hard days. And, and it puts you in that place of dependency too. Yes. And I think like one of the things that stood out to me, cause my wife and I have fostered before and our son was currently two years old going through chemo. We did the whole Ronald McDonald house thing. Um, he had a tumor protruding out of his eye. It was horrific. I mean, he was so just, it was, it was such a traumatic time. And during that time too, we were in the process of building this community center in the heart of Johnson city in New York, which took a massive amount of faith and resources to pull that off. And then also my wife was going to school for her master's program, right? I'm in ministry, you know, youth ministry, been in it for, you know, about 20 years and here we are and we're confronted with our relationship with DCS that we have with working with a lot of at-risk families where all of a sudden it's like, Hey, we got a family of 12. They need a home. Like, and I remember that day scrambling and calling everyone in our church to try to keep them out of the system if we could. And, um, we found all of them homes and, uh, there was one left. And I called my wife and I'm like, hey, like, there's no calling. Like you said, it was like just exposure. Yes. Like you're in it. And I'm like, you know, we need to, I mean, I know we need to do, we need to do this. Yes. Like this is it. And she was like, absolutely. And so it was a beautiful season, but a very dependent mm-hmm. season <laughs> where it was like, like you said, it's like it we is. both agreed. We were both in on it. Um, we both knew that God called us to do it, uh, but very dependent season. Like, you know, we were just in it, like in the thick of it, the brush asking for the Lord for strength. And, uh, you know what my kids, I love what you said about your kids earlier too, because my kids learned so much about, um, that our, like the God's calling on our life is bigger than just our family. Like, it's not, hey, what does God want to do for me and for our family? Yes. But it was like, how does God want to use our family to bring hope and to bring Jesus into other people's lives? It was so much bigger than us, you know? Yes. And I, I really saw them learn that. Like, it was beautiful. And it was something I could never teach them. It was something that they had to be exposed yes. to. 
I think that's it. And a lot of people worry about how this will affect your biological children. Oh, for sure. And it does, but in a good way. Like I remember um, probably a couple, couple months ago getting a call from a friend that a family needed they were they all had head lice and they needed help rallying some troops to get rid of their lice so they could go on back to school and church and do all the things and I'm like okay we'll be there well my 16 year old is the first one in line to like let's go get out of here like and I'm like okay get out of here so 16 years old she jumped in and she's just just taking care of lice problems yes yes like okay (sighs) that's crazy so wow, definitely, definitely does change your kiddos, but yeah, for the better, right? They oh, have that's so just good. a compassion for for hurting people, and yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's so good. So, pastor speaks to Scotty, like, yes. bro, do you believe in the word of God? Like, I do. Okay, there's your answer. So what now? So then we, after that, we start the, um, start the process to become foster parents. We do the class, all the classes. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And from there, what happens? Oh, we're <laughs> actually in waiting. So all of our stuff is <laughs> funny story. Let me back up. So they do your home. They do your home study, and they actually come into your home when yeah, you're. Yeah. And they ask questions like they interview, and mm-hmm. they take you separate. And so, my son Bolaine, he's just a handful. He's a spitfire. He's as spitfire. We say in Does he have a southern, nickname? Just Bolaine. Just Bolaine. No. Okay. Bobo. Bobo. Gotcha. We sometimes call Bobo. Him Bobo. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Better than I mean, it's not better than, than Tudor, but Tudor, I mean. Tudor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bobo. So, he goes into the room with the lady doing our home home study, yeah. and he's in there, and I'm like, he's that kid that you're like, oh, gosh, what is he saying? And yeah, he's been yeah. in there for a little while. Oh, wow, just in there with this yeah. caseworker. So he comes out, and he, as soon as the door opens, she's right behind him, and he's, oh like, celebrating, like, she didn't ask me if I get spankings. And I'm oh. like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, gosh. Yeah, I was like, oh my word, nightmare. That's so funny. So, yeah, <laughs> like sorry. <laughs> That's great. That's great. He's a cool kid. He was actually uh, here the other day, yes. and he had we put a big Darth Vader mask on his head, and he was doing these like these Fortnite moves, yes. these dances. I'm like, dude, a little baby, long blonde baby hair. Shaking. Yeah, I was like, this kid, man. he's wild. Oh my god, he's wild. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we start the classes. Um. We actually got our first call before we were fully approved. It ended up being someone, without going into too much detail there, ended up being someone that we actually knew. Um, so they rushed our process through um, so that we could we could take that kiddo um, and wouldn't have to be placed in mm. an unfamiliar home. So yeah. that it happened a lot quicker right. than, than we thought. Yeah. You know, that waiting period is... Right. It's a long time to do the classes and the home study and the whole process, but wow. because there was a kiddo that came in that that knew and could keep her in a familiar home, they rushed the the process. So took that kiddo and wow, the rest is is history. Yeah, and so I want to hear a little bit more about that. But if you hear a baby in the background, <laughs> that's because Jen is currently fostering. <laughs> but so when you when you guys had your like first placement. Um, there, that wasn't 
Can you elaborate a little bit on that placement? Because I think it was like there were some things you weren't planning on. And I know you can't share everything because of the sense of, no, you're good. That's what we do. This is real. It's all good. It's all good. He is. She is. Yes, dude. Yes. Oh, my word, bro. <laughs> this is so funny. Okay, we're good. Yeah, you're good. Um, that part. Uh, um, yeah, first foster placement comes yes. in. I know it's it's always hard. to. You always have these amazing stories you want to share. And, I know. But it's so hard because of the sensitivity. It is. But can you navigate around that to kind of give it a little inside? Because there was a lot to that that you weren't planning on. Yes. So that one... I can't go into a lot of detail on that one just yeah, because they know sure. a lot. Um, but I, we did we did know that kiddo personally. So that was a little bit difficult to navigate because, you know, these families personally, um, mm-hmm. you know, their stories. So that was hard. That was really, really hard, a hard on my kiddos. Um, that was one, too, that you go to court. Um, kind of blindsided, like went to court, um, kiddo left, like it happened so quick. So that was a hard, and then the rest of the kiddos that we've had were kind of short, short term, and then had another long-term placement. That was the one that, that left right before Mm. I came here. Um, special, special needs kiddo, but also kept me very, dependent on the Lord for sure. And, you know, we knew going into that placement that he would go to a forever home. And I just prayed that the Lord would help me to know that that was what was supposed to happen and that it was the right family and the perfect family. Mm. And he delivered like such peace in that, like every, everything about that, like just, they're perfect. Like they, I knew, I knew they were meant to be his mom and dad and Mm. still in contact and text me, just text me yesterday pictures. And so got to FaceTime on birthday. So I love it. I love it. So So cool. That's how how many kids have you guys fostered since you've started? Um, I would say we've been doing this for four, five years and we've had 10, 10 kiddos. Okay. In our home. So yeah. some days, weeks, years to our longest placement was two and a half wow. years. And the shortest is probably three days. So Wow. Yeah. Dude. So crazy, man. And and Scotty, like now is he still the reserve through this process or is he now like where is he at now from going from someone who you know really didn't feel called to do that? to mm-hmm. then having that conversation with the pastor and then where he's at now. He's like all in. Like, yeah, he's really good at this. Like, yeah, it's, it's fun to watch. And sometimes he's the, I'm a worrier. And so he has to keep me grounded and yeah. focused and don't let my thoughts get away from me. So <laughs> he's, he's good. He's really good. He took off work the last two days just to be stay at home. Wow. Dad, you know, we're in a, transition adjustment phase and so he's rocked that out i think he would love to quit his job and do this full time at home 
He's oh good at gosh. it. The house is way cleaner when is he's it there. Really? Yes. Oh my gosh, I love it, dude. Yes. This guy's such a beast. I'm like, man, yeah. he mopped the floors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he's awesome. Good at it. And again, like when you say that type of thing, you you know you can end up kind of getting a picture of what certain men might look like yes. who are doing that. Yes. This is like this burly country. <laughs> it is. Tutor, man, like Tudor. just you know, like, yeah, big old mop, beard, mopping floors, yes, and sir, rocking babies, yes. <laughs> and then when mom comes home, he's getting out there in the bobcat and <laughs> digging right. a trench. That's it. That's <laughs> it. That's so him. Oh my gosh, I love it, dude. That's incredible. That so you said you're high earlier. You know, the bridge house, and you were talking a little bit about like how you, how you ended up getting to that point where you're at the bridge house. So, tell me a little bit about now, like so. You guys still foster. You're currently fostering. And then on top of it, you're working at the bridge house and you're dealing with kids that are awaiting foster care placement. Mm-hmm. Um, just walk me through a little bit about like that journey right now um, at the bridge house. Um, so, yeah, those kiddos are waiting placement. It's hard to not want to scoop them all up and, and bring them home. Um, they're precious kiddos. They're, they're sweet. And so, yeah, I think the Lord has blessed me with a job that allows me to do both. I get to love on kids at home and Mm. at work and, you know, it doesn't feel like a job. It's just my heart and my passion. And I love these kids. I love, I love watching them slowly. Um, just let their guard down. They have, these walls built up, it's mm. hard to trust adults and just to watch them soften and learn, you know, build relationship and that there's good trusting relationships out there and watch them slowly heal and go to their, you know, forever placements yeah. or or temporary placements, whatever that looks like. A lot of our kiddos are, I don't say a lot of them, some of them are in full guardianship waiting for adoptive homes. So mm. it's hard to not, you know, yeah. want to scoop them all up. But yeah. What are the ages that come through the doors at the bridge house? So we can take anywhere from newborn up until they turn 18. But we we all know babies, you know, are placed pretty pretty quickly. But mm-hmm. our teens are harder harder to place so the majority of kids we see are like 13 to 17 we have some that are days away from turning 18 so right yeah and then the flip side of it with i know visitations you said bridge house does visitations as well too like what ages will you see come through the visitation talk to me a little bit about what they do for that we see a lot of so we have a separate visitation room that allows birth families to visit with kids at the at the bridge house instead of like mcdonald's or Mm -hmm. or the park you know it's colder right now so it's somewhere warm that they can come in and you know just have privacy and can have good quality time together so they come in a separate entrance at the bridge house and it's completely separate from the living quarters where the other kids are so they can come down there there's couch currently going to put um full kitchen some air hockey arcade games um tables chairs so it really has a home feel and they'll be able you know to cook meals together sit down at the table have dinner color do games so we have kids anywhere from I mean we've had baby babies 
all the way up to 18 to do visitations wow. down there. So it's it's really beautiful to see these yeah. families come in and get to love on their kids somewhere besides yeah. McDonald's and be interrupted and just have good quality quality time. So I love that. You know, I think the thing about this conversation that just is so intriguing to me is I I could just be me. I'm just going to just like speak. This is just my opinion here. So people can take it for whatever they want to take it for. But, you know, it seems like there's a disconnect in a lot of ways between the church and the foster care community. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily seem like from what I've seen is that with with being connected through even just going from pastoring in different states, um, you'll have one church that will be really foster friendly. Mm -hmm. And when I say foster friendly, I mean like it's just in the DNA of the church. Like I'm not saying like, Hey, they give some money toward it, but they're just like literally like their lead pastor is like, we will be a community of people that open up our home. Like according to Titus one, like, Mm -hmm we will enjoy people having in our home. We will meet these needs. Like this is not going to be like a, a, something we just give to. We want our community, our church to embrace this, uh, this mission. Right. And then you'll end up having another church that maybe they give towards, towards it, which is great. Um, And then you have other churches maybe who have like know nothing about it and are totally disconnected. And so I always am really inspired when I see churches that aren't just giving, but are, it's their DNA because I, not because that it just looks great and I know they're meeting a need, but I just see a difference in their church from the people that I encounter that they're much more hospitable mm-hmm. as a community. Yes. And what do you think, what do you re- think the reason is the disconnect is for like, do you feel like it's just been compartmentalized where it's like maybe they just because I know there's a lot to it that you just don't understand. Yes. There's a lot of acronyms, right? There's a lot of things yes. that you just you, it can seem so foreign to you. A lot of, I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, it's the state's problem. Mm-hmm. Like the state yeah. needs to figure it out. But the system is broken because it was never meant to be the state's job. It was the church's job. Oh. And so. We'll yeah. lead you to that conclusion. I just think scripture is very specific on what we were supposed to do. It was never, it was meant to be the church's job. Like we were supposed to step up and care for these orphaned kids. And I think, um, to the church, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a minute, but I feel like if, you know, we want to ask you what church you go to. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, I know you're, I've met your pastor. He's like super, like he He is is. like diehard. I mean, they fostered. I mean, dude's a beast. But I think if we as the church want to be pro-life, right, as Christians, we're pro-life. We are. We have to be pro-all-life. We can't turn our back Mm. on young mothers who have had their babies out of wedlock. Like, we sin is sin. Mm -hmm. We can't turn our back on these people. Um, We have to love them. We have to love all life, even, you know, the ones born out of wedlock or these families, like we have to wrap around them. We have to wrap around all life. We can't just be take a stance on anti-abortion, but then mm. do nothing, you know, nothing wow. about it. So, man, that just like hit me honestly because <clears throat> when you think of 
when I think of like what you just said, and I when you look at how churches respond, or just how the the church community responds, even just from like what the news projects is all, which we always know, like that's a lot of hyperbole, right? But pickets, signs, anger, frustration, uh, bitterness, offense, polar opposites of like what a church leader or Christian leader is meant to, uh, to meant to be, you know, according to Titus one. And so when you see that, that they're so aggressive and aggressive can be a good thing and a bad thing, but when they're so aggressive towards making a stance against abortion, um, and yet no one opens up their home, what do you do? What do you say to that? It's like, I know it's, it's like okay. So the state's like, well, <laughs> everyone's upset, but no one wants to. No one wants oh, to do anything because at the end of the day, the process, the system is the fact that we will open up our home. Yes, yes. You have to, I think everybody wants to scream how broken it is, but offer no solution Mm. to help solve the problem. And I think sometimes too, churches, um, pastors, if they're not opening their homes to care for these kids, then they just don't talk about it at all. Right. And which is sad because there's probably, I think if one... I'd have to look back um, because this has been a while since I read this, but I think statistically if one family in every church opened their home, we could end the crisis. Wow. So. That's, that's. I mean, you just think, what did they say? I don't have a word for that. At Emmanuel, we prayed. I mean, we prayed for 50 homes at Emmanuel to be opened. I mean, there's probably 50 churches Mm. at least in Wilson County. And you just think if one family from each of those churches opened their home, then there you go. Done. Done. That's it. Done. It's like pot roast time right now. It's just simmering in here. (laughs) It's pot roast. It's just like, yeah. (laughs) Oh, And, you know, I will say that there are seasons, right? Like I know for me personally right now, you know, I've prayed about this because I'm like, I've always told my wife and I both are live like this. We're like, Hey God, our cars are your cars. Our home is your home. We will do what you want us to do with the belongings in which you've given us. Like you call the shots, right? I know that right now we're not, in a place and we've prayed about it going back to like yeah. what you talked about. Yes. We're not in a place where we can do that, but big, but is that uh <laughs> big booty <laughs> is that? Yeah, exactly. The sigh over there. My gosh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that we know uh, there's some other things that God has called us to do right now mm-hmm. um, that we're doing um, that are, par- that are part of that community. Um, and we also know, that that season will probably change at some point and we'll have kids in our home. And you know that, like you can feel like the Lord is working on your heart. He's preparing you for that season and you know, it's coming. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, I'm not looking for the perfect picture. Like I said before, we had, 
two-year-old son, chemo, tumor, yeah. you know, community center, her in college, me working. I mean, it was not, and we were like, yes, we're in. We were wow. like what you said, exposed, like, yes. and we knew we're exposed now, but we know right now isn't, yeah. honestly, it's not even about us as much as it is that child right now. Like we yeah. could not, we could not do what that ch- provide yes. what that child needs right now if they were to even come to yeah. our house right now just with some of the things that we got going through but going back to going we can all do something mm-hmm. and again like it's really allowing God to stretch your comfort level so that you can be in a place of dependency and that brings you closer to Christ as a family that brings your kids closer to Christ that brings uh, your marriage closer to Jesus when you're in a place mm-hmm. of dependency with things that are difficult, it's almost like God just, you're like on his trajectory. Yeah. It's like the Lord's like, yes, you are on my trajectory. I'm going to give you my presence in a way that you've never experienced. You cry more, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you pray more, you fast more, you're in it. Your conversations are real. And I don't know, but like when you connect with people, like, you know, when we met Jen, it was like, dude, there's so much depth. Like you just, when you meet people that live like this, there's just so much depth. It's like you could talk for hours because yeah. you're just yeah. inspired. And and, it, and really at the end of the day, it's sad because it's just the gospel being lived. Yes. Really at all. Yes. Is we're inspired by seeing something that uh, that is in scripture. Mm-hmm. It, all it is is just somebody doing it. Yes. Just saying, yeah, I'm gonna, I want to be like that. Yes. I'm going to do that. I think you hit it on the head, too. It's one of those things saying, like, foster care is one of the things you have. You get a yes. Mm-hmm. You say yes or no, and the rest is out of your control. And there's something yeah. that's hard about not having any control, but just mm-hmm. being completely dependent on the Lord and trusting that, you know, these kiddos are safer in his hands than they are ours. At the yeah. end of the day, he right. he he loves them more than we do. So, yeah, just stepping out in faith, saying yes, and trusting that he he knows what he's doing. Wow. Well, there it is. Welp. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Welp. Oh man, that was a good conversation. I learned a lot from that. Um. Dude, I have to tell you my biggest takeaway as I'm just sitting here, I'm just thinking through everything you said was um, that Scooter's dad's name is Tink. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think the, honestly, when you talked about how you gave your kids a seat at the table to have a yes or a no, there's that, I'll be honest with you, just being real right now, we can be real as parents because here's the thing with being with a parent is I don't have parenting figured out. Like my kids are young still, uh, 12, 10 and five. And, uh, it's funny because like, I remember being in youth ministry, people would be like, Oh man, can you help me with my teenagers? Please. I'm like, dude, I don't even have a teenager yet. Like you have more experience than I do. Like, even though I've been in youth ministry forever, you know, I'm not anymore, but really, um, but I'm like, you probably can teach me. So I'm gonna be calling you bro. You know, but, uh, having my, having my kids at the table, you can, to be honest with you, there's times where I'm like, Hey, I haven't given them that. Yeah. I haven't given them that space. And I'm just like convicted right now. I'm like, dude, I need to do that more. Like I need to give them more ownership to speak into our family, to be able to 
let them feel like their voice matters more, you know, because I think there's something to be said in that. And when you look at throughout biblical stories, how many times do you see where there's a kid that steps up, Mm -hmm. you know, there's these stories of like, you would think an adult would step in and a kid steps in and they make the change. They got the passion. They have the pursuit. They have that tenacity and the Holy Spirit speaks through them. And it can be so easy to shut that down just be as a parent or just because you think we think we know better because we're older. It's a huge takeaway in this. I think too, we look at kids in care and most of those kiddos, their voice and their choice have been taken from them. They have no Mm. control over what's happening around them. Um, So I think it's only appropriate that we give our kiddos a voice in the matter, what we're doing and a little bit of say so. Yeah. And empowering kids in the church and listening to them too. Right. It's like leaders, leaders, if you're out there, you know, (sighs) ask a kid, Yes. you know, so you've been hearing Messiah in the background here, putting off those little, you know, he, he (laughs) helps produce a lot of this stuff. Um, but uh, crazy enough, I've known Messiah since um, he was in sixth grade. Um, and when I first came into youth ministry, Messiah was in there. You know, short kid, big old afro. He's a G. He's such a good dancer, too, man. He's like, get out of here, please. We're losing people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so it was funny, though, because, um, like, I realized that, like, when I was in youth ministry, I was trying to figure out what I'm doing. I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to find ways to connect with these kids. And Messiah just had a natural ability to connect with, with his peers. But also I realized like there was a real gift of like wonder and um, a gift of innovation that he had as well too. And so we eventually started including Messiah into our leadership team meetings, um, into a lot of big table decisions that we needed to um, make some decisions on um, as a ministry, as a church. And um, we began to give him a voice and we listened. And honestly, like we went from a youth ministry of, gosh, probably 30 white kids, (laughs) homeschooled. Middle class, you know, to a 150 group of kids, multicultural, student-led ministry that was bopping, dude. It was was fun on Wednesday night. It was like, it was good, real good. And, you know, we went from picking up kids in parks and schools and... That's fun. And a lot of that was because of the fact that we listened to, we listened to kids. To a kiddo. So... Listen to him. Yeah. He's good, a good talk. Kid. He is. Good. How good. old are you, Masai? 21. 21. Oh, my yeah. We tried Same. to get him a mic for this episode because uh, he's fun. We're going to get him on here, too. He fun. Yeah. This he's is fun. stage one, first episode. Yes. So good, though, man. Fun. Yeah. So, all right. First episode, High Low Buffalo. And um, thought it was good, man. Really good conversation. Um, share this with someone if you are listening i think this is a conversation that honestly everybody should hear um i think 
the things that were shared today, again, we're not opinion. We're just straight up scripture in your face. And, you know, when we have scripture in our face, the reality is it's just, just like we have a choice in those moments. Like, what are we going to do with it? Um, you know, if we follow Jesus and we're confronted with the truth, it's like we got a choice. What are we going to do? You know, follow or not. Um, and so I think this is important to be shared. It's a story that needs to be heard. It's it's going to challenge you, encourage you. Um, so share it. Um, you know, appreciate you guys that are listening. And just so you know, if you want to hear any more stories and you want us to continue to do what we're doing here, where we're sharing stories of people that are living a life to change a life, um, all donations or anything that you give to make this happen will go to the Bridge House. So we're going to give it to the Bridge House. Hey, come on, Jane, you'd be more excited than that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where's no. your clapping button? Yeah, we need the clapping button. Can you give to the bridge house? Hey, <laughs> there we go. What? Give it to the bridge house. Yay. All right, I'll do it again. Yes. All right, so just so you guys know, if you want us to continue to do these stories um, and you want us to be able to continue to share stories of people who are living a life to change a life. Um, you can donate, you can, um, go to this link here. You'll see pop up, um, and be a part of that. And every dollar will go towards the bridge house. Whoop, whoop. Yes. Oh my gosh. Leading youth out of homelessness and empowering them to live a life that will change a life. I get it right. You got it right. <laughs> That's awesome. Jen, thanks for being here. Appreciate you, girl. Yeah, Love what you guys are you. doing. And, uh, man, thankful to be part of it. It's awesome. God's doing Glad good things. Here. Cool. Ish. 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 Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll see you next week. Great, Jen. Thanks. Great job. Thanks. Seriously. Oh, God. How long?